0: My book club members i'm jen and i'm carrie and welcome to warhammer 40k book club where we read from a crack this is episode number 46 and our book is the gate of bones the second book in the dawn of fire series by andy clark the book is about chaos's attempt to take over a shrine world a storied shrine world within the imperium we posted several questions on our website, wh40kbookclub.com, and we encourage participation in our discussions via Twitter, our site, or encrypted Vox channel. Spoiler warning, if you haven't yet read this book, go check out the book and our questions and then come back to this post as we'll be discussing it from the book from start to finish mm-hmm. in great detail. With that, let's dive in. Did you like the book? Sorry, I just got this book today, so I didn't realize there's anything written on the back, until <laughs> so you picked it up, like, oh. So- um, yes, we both had to, because of shipping delays, we had to get this digitally so that we could read it digitally. And we were both really super excited to go and pick it up today. I will never get over these limited editions. They're just so nice.
1: Agreed. Even and if it's textured, even if we don't like the book, but I did like this one. I like this one. I was a like, lot. Oh, wow. <laughs> no, but I like this one a
0: lot. I liked it. Um, the beginning and the end felt a little disjointed to me. I felt that it kind of got off to a slow start and it kind of ended weird. But overall, like the middle portion of it, like when the stuff of the book was actually happening, really liked it, which I was going in a little nervous because neither of us really liked
1: Avenging Sun. (laughs) Right. I didn't think it started off that slow, but probably because I found like the introduction stuff funny. (laughs) Right. So, uh, to be fair. Yeah. I mean, so,
0: what meet, scene stood out to
1: you? Well, you know, because we got to meet Lucerne, who's like probably the only oh, yes. Imperial fist with a sense of humor. So the scene that right. stood out to me actually has to do with Lucerne. And it's when uh, they're riding in that tank, basically, to actually go out mm-hmm. to war, but it's not big enough for them to sit in the seat. So they have to sit on the floor and they're all hunched over. And, oh, he, hunched over. and he starts giggling one guy's like, what's so funny? He's like, well, with all the training we went through, we never once trained for this. And some people, some of them laughed. The rest
0: of them are like, that's true, actually. You know, a
1: couple of laughed and then was like, oh, it's not that funny. Like, okay, have a sense of humor. You're wrong, though. <laughs> right? Um, Almost like any moments with the custodies because we really, because we've only gotten to get, we've only been able to get to know a few. You custodies. True. Past. And so it's really been like Valerian. Um, a little bit of uh, the name of the chapter master. I forget his name. Starts with a V. Anyway. Um, it's not Baldur. It's... it's like Valoris or something like yes. that. Oh, wow. Wow, yeah. wow, wow, wow. Yeah. So, but him, so we got to know a him, him a little bit. We got to see Colquan a little. Like, just right. kind of snippets. But this we get to see a little bit more of Colquan and kind of understand him a little better. Mm-hmm. But we also get to meet this whole other host of custodies and really just kind of see what they're about. Like, I really felt mm-hmm. this is more of a, a custodies book than, than anything about, you know, hey, that we've been unleashed. And let's just show you what we can do when we're not hanging out in the Emperor's halls. <laughs>
0: pretty much. I so I have to say really quick about Lucerne. So Lucerne is a brand of milk. And I do not like milk. Um so it was really funny to me because I was like the Imperial Fist they would name somebody after milk cuz it's boring. <laughs> Anyways, every time I saw his name, I was like milk.
1: <laughs> but he was Sorry. but he was definitely not the milk toast of Imperial Fist. No. No, he was not. He had
0: a lot of good. Um, he had a lot of. Yes, he had good personality. Obviously, being an Iron Warriors fan, I really liked Locke. And I knew you would. Oh my god! The there's so there's two things about Locke that I want to draw attention to. One, I always really struggle like one of the reasons that i really like the the iron warriors is that they tend to kind of eschew the demon worship and they're more of like chaos is just a tool so it's kind of fun to see him and i I like i love the fact that he still had a lodge medallion around Mm -hmm. his neck that he played with all the time i thought that was really cool um the part that really stood out to me is of course at the end when he starts chanting over and over Mm. again for the powers, the powers, the powers and then all of a sudden in a voice that is not his he hears iron within, iron without and if that is not my man Peter Turbo reaching out I don't think so I don't know but I read that and was like so I don't love the demon or chaos infused Iron Warriors but I'll make an exception for him and you guys this is what a a heretic I am when he killed Jessivane I was like good
1: well she was I knew she was going to die I knew she was going to die early on in the book because she was so reckless and she was everything she did was not for (sighs) What was best for her group or for everybody else. But it was like almost for her own glory. Like she was... Her own glory. And we've seen time and time again what happens with that own glory. And you try to go for your own glory. And even the final battle with Locke. You know, it even says black and white in there that he was pulling her into a kill box. Yeah. And but she was so angry And so blinded that she knew what she was doing was right. She didn't even notice.
0: Well, she was the classic character. And this is really interesting. Because I think I've mentioned a few times in this podcast. How much I love Avatar The Last Airbender. Because Avatar The Last Airbender cast a lot of traditionally male roles as females. So Azula, of course, is a wonderful example. But Toph is probably the best. Jessavane was very much that traditional male I'm a bit of a hothead. I have something to prove. Mm-hmm. I need to live up to my father's image. But in her case, she needs to live up, up to her mother's image. So she really did have that chip on her shoulder. And for a while there, I was like, she's going to get to the end and she's going to be all smug about it. And so, and then when I thought she killed my man Locke, I was a little upset. So when he crushed her head, I was like, good. There was a lot of like, head crushing. Okay, can we talk about that for one second? Like, there was a lot of head crushing, and that's a scene that stood out to me because <laughs> I had to go back and reread it when the head gets misted. First off, have you seen the cover artwork? They For being non-sexual entities, they continue to draw these people fine as hell. (laughs) I was like, you cannot crush that gorgeous face.
1: And they did. I gasped when that happened because I was so shocked. I was, I have to, I have to agree
0: with you. I like, I was like, they can't, no, no, he's fine. And so then I went back and I was like, oh, he's not fine
1: like really not fine like uh, like I actually went (gasps) and woke up my husband he was like what oh it's just your stupid book and then rolled back over and went back to bed but I was kind of like okay he got knocked out All right, it dented in and it just knocked out but then it talked about his headless corpse toppling over I'm like
0: my first thought is I was like but they're like a lot I was like they're a lot more like they're more uh, they have better regeneration than the space marines so I was like he's fine like, this is gonna be a soap dish moment. <laughs> stick it back on and it's gonna be fine.
1: Yeah. I'll just grow a new one, like a gecko. It's kinda hard when it's crushed
0: in. Very sad and it really upset me. Um and I have Yeah. To- I was not happy. We'll talk more about that later because there were like some surprising deaths in this book, I felt like actually. Mm -hmm. Um, And, of course, the other scene that really stood out to me, and you texted me and told me that I was going to have a moment, and, of course, it's the flashback to the heresy, where Korax is on a rampage. Um, Korax is not a happy bird. Korax is real angry. And I know that we've seen this time and time again. We've seen Istvan. We've seen remembrances of the Dropsite massacre, and yet still still when I see it, I'm always like, huh. especially when they talked about his face being angry with like surprise and betrayal. And you're just like, I'm sorry, dude. Mm-hmm. I, I loved it. And it was a surprising history for him, but it was also a, like, at first I was like, love it. But what's the point of this? And then of course they tell you mm-hmm. that's when his friend saves his life.
1: It's when he gets to and Kargathar. Kargathar. I have to tell you,
0: I could not like elongating it in my head. And you can thank Dan, You can thank ADB for that.
1: Nargazar, Kazar, Nargazar, like <laughs> hang I, out somewhere. I'm sorry when you have the R da it's Just it just goes that way. You can't say it without a southern I feel like people twang. They should find
0: somebody from like the United States to say these words for them. Oh, okay. Can and you it imagine? It has Boston... to be someone from Texas. You can find a country girl like me Won't and we'll definitely.
1: A B- or a Bostonian. Kakatha. Kakatha. Kakata.
0: Man, That was a wicked bad dropside massacre. Should have been there. <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. Or yeah, I guess that's probably or I don't know. I don't know if the youpers would be very good with it. Carcatha? <laughs> That word bearer, Kargathar, he's just a rotten egg, I tell you. <laughs> um, <so, laughs> we've got great accents, I'm telling you. Um, but I we will talk more about him in a second. But I really I thought that that was a nice way to be like, look, that's how long these people have been friends. And I don't know why, but for some reason depth of friendship that a lot of these space marines has like really gets me in the feels even when you see it and it's very rare on the chaos side right right
1: to see these bffs it just (laughs) it's like i actually made a note of that just because it kind of reminded me of stuff we read in the black legion series
0: very much so Mm -hmm. very Um, much so where
1: is this quote
0: that they still have this need for brotherhood
1: He had wanted to see Kargathar, craved contact with the one being he still had any love for.
0: That, you guys, I, I think everybody
1: knows, if you've listened to this
0: podcast at all, I love my bitter man children. Um, but that, it, and that's becoming a real theme because he definitely reminded me of forex from Storm of Iron. Hmm. It's kind of, and this is going to bleed really well into our next question because... The Iron Warriors, again, they don't really have that faith. And we see this a lot with the, I'm pointing back because I have my Conrad Kerr's book here. We see this a lot with the Night Lords, too, that when you don't have faith, you do not like, they don't seem to really have a purpose. And they start to get very nihilistic. And I kind of liked that with him, that he's just like, oh, God, just kill me now. End it
1: now. I thought I was so sad for him to speak. Because he was like he's like, I just want the long war to be over. Like he's already thinking about his retirement plans. Basically, yeah, and as
0: we know, there's really only one retirement plan. <laughs> you don't get to go off and farm.
1: No. <laughs> I mean Yep. I mean, yeah. your Primarch had retirement plans too. He had this <laughs> n- nice retirement estate built in one of the mountains that'd be looking right up at his father's palace.
0: That did not work out for him. No. 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 So reading this book, I think I had texted you and I had said that this book really feels a lot like a spiritual sequel to Apocalypse. And that to me, the biggest theme in this book is faith. Because we're constantly seeing those who are faithless, those who are struggling with their faith, those who eschew faith, those who reluctantly kind of embrace it and then those who embrace it wholeheartedly
1: mm-hmm.
0: so who, first off what do you think of? and i mean this is like the second or third book that we've read recently where they're really leaning into the whole concept of the faith what's
1: your take on that my take on it is that we're going to see a clashing heads like eventually Because there was one great line, I don't think I highlighted it, but it was, it talked about, might have been near the end. But regardless, it talked about how, you know, that the custodies don't have faith, which makes sense. Right. Because they're with the man every day. Right. And they've been done told by the man. Right. No, I didn't, I didn't highlight it. But uh, but so you have that you have any because I think the whole thing was like the custodians staunchly do not believe you have reboot who is not happy that there's that there is a belief, but then you have the battle sisters who thrive on that faith and most of the Imperium thrives on that faith. So it's like this odd melding of ones who don't who know the truth about the emperor according to them anyway mm-hmm. is that so they just go along with it to make the people happy i did highlight right. this one quote uh man let's see who said this uh Kokwan. All this, the saints, the visions, the tarot, they are tools. They are a means by which we may exert control. They are useful.
0: Well, and so you have like, you have Kolkwan's very, I think, I guess, very dim view on it, right? Like, look, it's just a tool for control.
1: I think he's pragmatic.
0: But that's a better word for it. A very pragmatic view of it. And then you have... Akalor who looks at it like, Look, look at what these people are doing, like look at what the sisters are doing. There's something to this, I think. Mm-hmm. We don't have to agree and we don't have to participate in it. But like these these women are getting stuff done, and there's that scene toward the end of the book where the sisters come marching in and they're all singing. Mm-hmm. And he sees the warrior in golden behind them, and he's like, Whoa. <laughs> like, right. So there's something, and we've always heard that, right? Especially in the sisters' books. And you know what? I really am starting to think that Andy Clark writes the sisters the best. They are pragmatic. They are a little callous. Mm-hmm. They are very much enshrined and enrobed in their faith, and it is unflappable. But did you notice that there was none of the slashing wrists that we see? We've seen like in other books. Thank like- God. God. Thank the Emperor. That there was none of this, we are not worthy. Oh, no. No, no, Veritas. Those bitches were worthy.
1: Well, but and she whether did not they were or not, they didn't talk about it. Because no. that's not what they were there for. They were there to serve the emperor and follow their duty. It was not about, I don't think I'm good enough to do this. No, it's, we have this duty. We must fulfill it. And even when, even when Dvorgan kind
0: of says to her, like... I, I'm kind of waffling in my faith. She's like, "No, you're fine. Go get him, Tiger." Like, I liked that instead mm-hmm. of like, "Oh, heresy!" No, she's just like, "That's a cool story, bro. <laughs> Need you to go out there and fight now." Right. Like, there's a for you to kill. Um, I, I just really like the way he writes the sisters. They have a little bit of a sense of humor, but not. Actually, I guess not really a sense of humor so much as they have personality though. Like Veritas had a personality. Mm-hmm. Emmanuel had a, sister, a personality.
1: Oh man, I loved I, her. Loved I, her. And that Palatine's like, okay, you know, she's she's comes marching in, you just get out of the way. Oh yeah,
0: and I like what DeVorgans like, I technically outrank you guys, but... Right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, you managed to get the Mordians, who are some of the toughest bastards, which that's another thing that stood out. I did notice that like Reboot Gulliman, of course, like immediately, he has the Valhallans on his ship with him and then he has the mordians aka the prussians with him and then they mentioned the Catachan at one point so you know that he shows up and is like get me all the badasses of this galaxy here oh. now i love the mordians i think they're so cool but i liked and especially putting her against a vorgan so what did you think of his moment of weakness him refusing to give his wife a child. Where he was like, this was my moment where my faith...
1: Oh, oh his big sin. Um,
0: okay. That was kind of like what we typically see from the sisters.
1: Right. I mean, that's, that's what he kept calling it. It's like, my, the one... How I sinned, or my weakness of faith. Mm-hmm. I mean, I understand his point of view. But same time though he's about to go off to war like you just give your wife like something although at the same time if she's dead and gone then most likely your child would have been too so you know it's one of those things coulda woulda shoulda you know I can look back at a thousand things in my past that I'm like man I should have committed to this or I should have done that or I should not have done this but where does that get me nowhere
0: and he can, Nowhere.
1: he can, reg- I mean, I understand his regrets because that is his wife. I totally understand that. But at the same time, I was, was thinking like, you're going to have to let this go.
0: You're going to have to let this go. Yeah, for sure.
1: And, okay, so now let's compare
0: this with Bucaris. Bucaris? Bucaris. You know, I always said Bucaris in my head sure um choose your own adventure on this one i think mm-hmm. like he's one of the most infamous figures from warhammer 40k from the age of apostasy
1: and yet i'm like okay i had never i heard don't of know any- anything about how to say this name i have never heard of this guy before so this was all new to me
0: so the age of apostasy actually you know what i will say in here right now i actually had that thought as soon as they mentioned him i was like ooh, i don't know that carrie knows who that is they did a really good job summarizing it without the exposition fairy showing up. <laughs> well, no, seriously, okay? Like, a lot of times when they need to give you history, all of a sudden somebody leans in and is like, hey, guys. And it turns into an after school special. So, but this I thought was really good with Tenebris. Because remember, it's Tenebris who's kind of like, oh, yeah, this guy. Like, look at the things these guys did." said. Like, and there's kind of a chortle in the way that he says it. Because, you know. <laughs> right. This guy right here, right? Um, It's interesting to see them address, like, how you... Because remember, Kolkwan talks about how it's kind of a means to get things done. And then you see the extreme version of it, right? Oh, yeah. This guy.
1: Well, not just him, but all of Gothelomor.
0: Right. Well, and that did kill me at the end when it's, like, all the pilgrims and everybody else, the ghosts who are coming
1: after them. And you're just, like oh well even that uh that woman that they took out like captive that they tortured uh, mm-hmm. out of the caverns and one thing she said was was she said that we were starving and these people right. came and they promised you know to take it basically to take it out on the fat priests above and what that really triggered in me was um Man, it's a a lesson that my geography teacher taught me in high school all this time ago, and I've never forgotten it because she said, uh, she's like, if you're ever wondering why people turn to communism, she's like, let me tell you a story. She said, think of this mountain and there's a super rich guy up top of the mountain. So like the fat priests here. has like the nice car, the fancy clothes, all this money. And you're at the bottom of the mountain and you're starving and you have barely enough food to feed your kids but you hear hey we'll all be the same so what do you think you think you're going to be up on that mountain with the guy but what you don't realize is that when communism comes in the government takes all that from him and he's down there at the bottom with you now starving and that to me is like such a great way to explain this chaos so she's like they promised us they were going to you know save us take it from the fat priest well no now you're all suffering (laughs) Right. Exactly. And it's but like it along those lines, like you
0: understand a little bit about the reign of terror. Right. In France, like you can totally get how people would be like, oh, we're going to punish those people who have everything. Mm -hmm. Well, I have nothing. Sign me up. And unfortunately, it's a very easy thing to get people to go along with. Right. These people are starving. So, like, I don't know. We're going to make it all go away. Okay, cool. It's like, like, and most of these people, and this comes down to one of those conversations that I think we have a lot too, is because people are so ignorant to chaos and ignorant right. to the warp and ignorant to the concept of traitor Marines and none of them even know. And like Bukharis, I feel like, I feel like there might've been a little bit more security around that if anybody knew about it. But the fact that the Imperium's number one way of dealing with problems is let's all just close our eyes and pretend that didn't happen.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, that's kind of what they do. It is. And I do, as much as I struggled with Fabian at the beginning and end, I do like when he's oh, like,
1: yeah. Found so it. our biggest problem. Oh, what? The suppression of true knowledge, you see, he said to Kargathar, smiling again. Ever the corpse god's modus operandi. Yep. And it's... And what is that, it's what is so that saying? What is it saying? We say it all the time. Those who don't know history are doomed to repeat it. Exactly.
0: And, but also I think just opening that doorway right and unfortunately i think what they come selling like young hated young but i understood her yeah i understood why mm-hmm. she fell to this right again you've been powerless your whole life and now suddenly so your your prayers and pleas were falling upon death ears but now now you have these other gods and they are listening and they do give gifts so I hope that all the bad things happen to her and nobody but her. But like I mean, how how can you deny it?
1: It I don't know, it's one of those things where I'm it's like true, but oh, she's going to be I get it. She's going to be tricked like everybody else in the end. I mean, that's Oh. The so, only the only person who wins in this, it's like again like my teacher's analogy with communism. The only one who wins with this or the people in charge, and that's the chaos gods. That's the only people who win.
0: I did like that when Kargathar is talking about how he's like, all we want, all Lorgar wants is a world in which everybody worships the chaos gods. Everybody will be equal, everybody will have gods answering them, and it's all going to be fine. And I think it's Akalor who's like, yeah, no, you're all going to be miserable and tormented. (laughs) Like, there's a certain, almost adorable, naive, like naivete to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That because of all the people who have seen the horrors that chaos can bestow upon people, you would, th- they would of all people would be like, this is not going to end well. Well,
1: and he yet. says he says that's what Lorgar wants, but who is his master?
0: I actually found that very interesting because he directly mentions that he serves Corfairn and Corfairn fed him to the wolves here. Uh, But he does talk about it and he actually talks like Corfairn is wanting to further Lorgar's. But Lorgar's been in, he's been away. That's not Lorgar, it's Corfairn. It's what exactly, he- I'm like Corfaren, or rather Lorgar, hasn't been heard from in ten thousand years. He's, you know, having a me day. <laughs> ten thousand years? <laughs> He's having a me millennia, pretty much. And uh, so, this could all just be Corfaren, right? Or maybe he- I don't know. There's Not- so many question marks.
1: Without a doubt, this is Corfaren, and I'm just, and I know, I keep mentioning this, It's like you with Night Lords. I'm going to mention the Lorgar Primark novel. That is all Corfairn was in the very beginning was he was a p- priest yep. of the ruinous powers. That is all he wanted. He wanted his planet to do nothing uh, but but worship the ruinous powers. But mm-hmm. under his guidance, you see. Oh, of course. Right. You
0: need to have someone who speaks for them, obvs.
1: Right. And so when Lorgar came around that frightened him especially because he had because mm-hmm. he's got that primarch so he's got this charisma and people were turning to him and he was actually really nice and always tried to help others and um, and then when he had the vision of the one which we all know is the emperor and core it's was just like ah crap he's like yeah sure we'll do the one and then it actually wrote in the book that he like put his hands behind his back and did the sign for the ruinous powers like, it's like he's like got his fingers crossed behind his back Right. <laughs> he's like a child. He, well, but, is, but, that's, but that's what it is for him. That's all he's wanted. He's wanted everything. Everyone to be worshipped in mm-hmm. his powers. And he says it's under Lorgar. He even said it in the Primarch novel, but he doesn't mean it. He has to no. say it's Lorgar because that's the only people who are going to listen. But it's under him. Right. And. um... Yeah, in a lot of ways, and I think yet what we're saying is, did he become own- a an- Did he become his own demon prince? Did he become a demon prince? No, because he has oh, the same okay.
0: problem that he has the pro- same problem that Typhus has. You're adorable. I got a Primark. Like, <laughs> right? Sorry. Like again, you're the fucking Ford. Excuse me. You're the Ford Pinto, and they already <laughs> got the Maserati. And you're like, but I'm a really good Ford Pinto. I don't explode when people hit me.
1: Wow. Old 80s references there, people. (laughs) One of
0: my friend's dad's drove a Ford Pinto when I was a child. And yeah, my parents were always like.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we (laughs) actually watched. that The bumper was made of flint. We actually watched Top Secret the other night. And there's that wonderful scene where the tank just goes ping. The end of a Pinto and the thing just blows up.
0: Yeah, again, they made the bumper out of Flint. It wasn't their problem. Um, so let's ch- shift gears a little bit and talk, because we're, again, we kind of mentioned this with Akalor. Akalor, like, how did the, how does this team, like, the dynamic, we get to see all these different personalities. How did this, like, did this change
1: your view in the custodies a little bit? Um, yes, in that, man, um, We thought the space marines (laughs) were badass in battle we hadn't seen anything yet and i will say when akalor first went into battle and he's ticking off how many people he's killed and it and it goes off like how many seconds and i mean he gets mad he's like you took mine like i'm really ahead still you know it's it's amazing they're a force they're a crazy force like like a Primarch force to be reckoned with, especially when the, the mob Close, huh? the mob was coming after him. What did he do? He just ran right through them, stomping them along the way. Because I guess when you're 10 feet tall, it doesn't, you know, oh, this is cute. <laughs> Look at them with right. their little sticks and stones. <laughs> just, well, I thought of
0: like Valerian in that second book, right? Where at mm-hmm. the end there where you're like, oh, geez, he's terrifying. Yeah. As soon as they got to, like, when they all walked into that first part where they had to fight, I was like, this is going to be so bad. <laughs> well, not sure only that,
1: not- but when they're together, the perfect syn- synchronicity these guys have, like, they don't even need to speak. They they just know exactly what to do to help the other one, mm-hmm. know each other's fighting styles perfectly. You know, I thought it was so arrogant in the beginning when um, Colequam was like, Five is enough. He says, like, oh, okay. I think you're overestimating these guys. Well, no, no. Five was enough. No.
0: There's, I know I've mentioned this before, but Brothers of the Snake by Dan Amnett, there's like the, one of the first short stories. There's an issue on a planet, and they call for Space Marine help, and they send one Space Marine. And at first, you're like, that's not really going to do anything. And no, it was enough. Uh, so when he said he was like oh five should be enough yeah five's probably enough um
1: that and i have this other quote that i highlighted because it made me laugh so hard it was from uh vichelin Vichelin, i don't know how you want to say his name uh aka my
0: favorite bro of the bunch oh my god
1: he's amazing loved him i can't find it right oh wait is that it if there's one thing that the Deputies Custodes do better than anything else, it is slay space marines. I, that's this quote that I was just looking for. I loved that. Because
0: I do love when he's, because he also says earlier, he has a quote where he's like, they're just all flawed creatures. Mm-hmm. Like the disdain that they have. It, it's funny, it's funny to me and I'm about to quote Phantom Menace, but sorry in advance. Uh, there's always a bigger fish because mm-hmm. like the space marines kind of look down their nose at unaugmented humans right like ugh, they're so flawed and petty and weird and then the custodies are looking down their noses like ugh space marines are so flawed and we're just excellent at killing them uh, it's interesting and I did like Rakargathar just like ugh you guys are brainwashed and ridiculous like I liked that there's kind of this mm-hmm. you know this rivalry between them and the custodians are terrifying. And I did like that. They were also awe-inspiring. I mean, the depth of, when the sisters see them, I thought that was lovely and their reaction, how they're just like, some of them are like, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I, love Can to- I say really quickly that my favorite scene in that whole book though, with Akalor is when he gives the poncho to Kesh, and she's I like highlighted
1: that and he just and she's he goes, like i can't ruin it and they're it, like it is a gift <laughs> and he i have it highlighted it it is just a cloak <laughs> i loved that so much cuz everybody's like oh
0: senpai noticed you right and then <laughs> it is just a cloak yeah. it was like oh pumpkin you have no idea i also did like when his uh when his astropath is or was it the astronaut? No, it was the shipmistress when they all go down and she's like, God, they're naive. <laughs> shipmistress was awesome. Um, yeah. Uh, so was yeah. there. I did like, though, to see like how much that they do rely on people just mm-hmm. like normal, like bros, um, because they're not going to do all of this petty stuff themselves. They have a very specific purpose. Right. Mm hmm. And I really would have liked to have seen more of Akalor and his astropath. Because when he's like, she was very powerful and with that comes the inability to hold her tongue. I was like, I like her already.
1: Well, I cracked up when you know, when they translated and she immediately bends over starts throwing up and someone pings him as like, Do you have whatever her name is? And he's like, Yeah, I was like, Can we speak to her? Uh, she's busy She's busy. And when the other and when Vikellen comes
0: in and he's like oh i did like that um i found it interesting though and this is another book similar to valerian where they're getting out they're doing stuff and all of a sudden somebody's like we should have been doing this all along mm-hmm. like we are long overdue
1: well they even talk about that with uh, Vichelin, that, uh Akalora has to kind of like calm him down because he's like pacing like a tiger like he yes. feels like he's like I, this is what I've been meant to do forever and now that we're here I'm just ready to go out there and do it it's like yes I like how is, excited he was like this is what you're supposed to be doing this is exactly it this is what the I Emperor just loved how excited he
0: was for yeah. like every encounter he's like oh my god yes queen <laughs> so do you think the antagonists were effective here because you have Locke you have Kargathar, you have Tenebrous, and you have Yang. And yes, I feel the need to like lean into the East Coast and be like, Yang. Because uh, Yang sounds weird to me. You've got to appreciate the H in her name. Um, do
1: you think they were effective? They were all very different. Um, I think Kargathar and Locke definitely were. Mm-hmm. Yang, I felt like... She had, like, one part in the beginning, and then after that, I don't know, window dressing. I'm not really even sure. Um, Tenebrous. Yeah. I didn't even really Tenebrous like him. Tenebrous was kind of a douche. And that's a, actually his attitude about a lot of things really surprised me for an iron warrior. Wait, Tenebrous? Wasn't he an iron warrior? Mm-mm.
0: No. Remember, they keep referring to him as a mutant. And he has the big long hands. And he's yeah, definitely... I
1: thought he was... Some because, type of... Because Kargathar hated that he had reported to him. And I thought it was because he was not a word bearer. He was a iron warrior.
0: God, if I totally missed, it, missed this, I'm going to be, like, really upset. Um, But he... Because he is the... um what he's like the head psyker to um which is really confusing because there is also a tenebrous that is like a, there was a gene stealer cult that was mm-hmm. tenebrous I think short story or something like that and I was like what I need you guys to pick a name but because remember he's just another one of the witches that Abaddon employs and I immediately thought of what's her name.
1: Oh, you know what? Okay.
0: What's her name? Moriana Morgana. Moriana.
1: all right so I'm okay, so I just found a woman. Uh Tenebris Sorcerer the Hand of Abaddon. Right. Okay, so so he's not okay. Yeah, I didn't think he was. I don't know where I got that. Um who knows?
0: well yeah um but it th- there's so many names to keep straight in this but the thing the thing that i like i felt kind of bad for the guy because he was super arrogant and all i wanted to do was say to him like i'm sure Mariana from her planet of hell that she lives in and has been exiled would like to talk to you like he kind of mm. reminded me of a trophy wife and enjoy it while you have it and while you're in his favor, my friend. Um, but I I just found him to be kind of, he was a little mustache twirly for me. And I I, I understand that he's the hand of Abaddon. So he's supposed to be a little mustache twirly. <laughs> but I found Kargathar and Locke much more compelling and much more interesting. Which, yeah, congratulations, Andy Clark. You made me actually compelled by another word bearer sometimes they get interesting i guess Jeez, but i liked i understood did you understand why everybody was there all of the bad guys like obviously they want to get this god killing weapon Mm -hmm. right did you like any of them though like did you understand why they were there
1: I mean beyond I mean that's really all it was though right it's just the god killing weapon and they just kind of converted the plane to all these cultists just to do their bidding and then they're like well we got it um, yeah we got a plane to catch hey, Pretty so much. We, yeah so y'all, y'all have fun like they're like oh we, we lost the planet it's like did we oh okay later we? <laughs> okay
0: we're gonna talk more about that later because I was a little surprised by that um Actually, let's just go ahead and talk about that. So, yeah, when he's like, when Tenebrous is like, oh, yeah, we did lose the planet. Good thing that's not what we came here for. Uh, I have to admit that I was like, oh, I fully, I fully bought into the story that they were there to kill Goleman. That they were like, we've got this gnarly, nasty weapon. But as soon as he was like, no, no, dear, I said this was a god killer. I was like, oh, damn it. Totally makes sense, right? That you would maybe want to try
1: to get that onto Terra, but I thought that you know Goleman would have been like Alderon. You know, gotta test it on something first, right? <laughs> right. Um, wait, what was the
0: place that they test? Scareth, from uh, Rogue One. Mm-hmm. It could have been Scareth. Uh, I. So here's the question I have to ask, because I'm actually a little compelled by this idea. Do you think this weapon and like the idea that Abaddon has this, that, that this is now going to be the MacGuffin for this Dawn of Fire series?
1: Okay, help me with the timeline here. This is still, So this takes place... Does this still take place before Dark Imperium, or are we now oh, seeing... Yes. Yes,
0: because Dark Imperium takes place 12 years after Gulliman awoke and this takes place, like, they've basically just left the soul system. Okay. Right? Because the first book was them on Terra leaving the soul. Well, backing up. Watchers of the Throne is him arriving on Terra. Uh, Dawn of Fire, Avenging Sun, was of him kind of getting all of his stuff together and then leaving the soul system. Then this? You know would be really awesome? Well,
1: then dates seriously so, but so i think you're right i think that hunting hunting down this all right this is like going to a rabbit hole full of questions here and then mortarian shows up and messes up everything well i think that this could be what starts like with the whole Indomitus. even though dark imperium said the point of indominus was to try to figure out a way to close the rift it seems like we got a whole bunch of other crap going on here. So maybe that's not really what it's about. But I guess that's what mm-hmm. happens when you write something 100 years in the future first. And then they decide to retcon that to 12 years in the future. So we have... Don't worry. They're releasing new editions that take care of that. Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, so so now we have this. And obviously they got away. The bad guy got away with, with the thing. And I'm... Not sure who all knows exactly what he has. Uh, well, I, I guess, I Fair. guess, but v- does. Vichelon does. He, he does.
0: He does. Because remember, he leaves. He comes across
1: them right. as they bamf. Right. So he, but he's the only one. And the ship, mis- the ship mistress, because she witnessed what happens to the rest of the fleet. So it's going to be a matter of, so is the next book going to be this, ad- these adventures of, Got to get this ring back before it gets to to Abaddon. Hunt <laughs> the One Ring. <laughs> that just sounds on me. I mean, it's not wrong. It's better than the Two Ring. But so then, where my questions come in is, what the fuck does this have to do with the Necrons? Like there's a whole book. I got nothing. There's like I got nothing. Book behind me. I see the chartreuse behind you. It's called Endomitus, and it's about get you So (sighs) I need help here.
0: They mentioned Neolith at one point. Oh jeez. Okay. I got nothing! I got I got (laughs) I got nothing. And until you said that it didn't even dawn on me um i don't know or i don't know if it's like okay so maybe this book sets up that leaving the soul system oh by the way somebody just created a super weapon and tried to take one of your shrine worlds and then he's gonna have another book where it's like oh by the way the necrons are a problem oh by the way mortarian just took over part of you like one of the things that they've talked about is that the, bes- the Imperium is beset upon all sides. So maybe each one of these books is just going to be a, guess what else? Like, remember how we always joke about Robbie Bobby's voicemail? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Really? Maybe this series is going to be his voicemail. <laughs> like, these are all the things that he has to deal with right now. Like, Let's not even talk about the Dark Angels. Whatever the Dark Angels are doing. Like, just let me talk about that right now. Um,
1: like maybe that's what this is. Maybe this is just setting up all the different problems, or the truth behind the Thousand Suns slaughter. You know, right? Um, That. See what else? What else? These space wolves are awakening. Uh, The sleeper
0: has awoken. What else?
1: What else is happening in all that?
0: Hmm, Nothing. There was. hmm. Oh God! That we have made so many jokes about Robbie Bobby. Oh, by the way. A word bearer that you imprisoned. Oh, right. That, yes. A thousand years ago, uh, assuming they decide to remember that. But, I mean, maybe that really is what this is. Is that Indomitus? It's like, look, he's got 99 problems. And a ain't one. Or is she? Like, let's be real here. Because uh, you have the Eldari playing their little games of, are they friends?
1: Aren't they friends? I don't know. Depends on the day. Um, well, they they are when it benefits them and right and reboot was very clear about that he was just like I don't very much trust so. them either but it doesn't mean we're not listening to what they have to say right right for sure
0: um that's my only answer i got and i know that sounds like a cop-out like as to where the deck runs are but well, maybe no, that it was, really is the thing is it's like look
1: <laughs> there are so many problems i was like i didn't think of it either until i started going through the timeline in my head i was like wait wait a minute the, Wait a minute. The Necron's supposed to be this big thing. That's why they made all these new models. And they've done all this stuff. And they had, you know, Indominus. And then um, the Infinite and the Divine. Like, how is this all coming together? Or maybe it's just that.
0: Maybe. They'll jump off that bridge when they get there. <laughs> okay. And we'll have some retcons. Oh, geez. Okay, so... Like, a lot of people got killed in this book. Uh, but then a lot of people didn't. So, I think we all know this, but whose death hurt the most?
1: Akalor. Because that shocked me. I It I, you shocked know what? me, and I was like, why? I had the same reaction to this as the first time I read Game of Thrones before tv series came out people like we're talking about you mean the first book in the song of ice and fire series yes it was the first book in the song of ice and fire series but yes when they beheaded ned stark i was like that did not just happen
0: that one that one upset me and i was like what (laughs) the one that i think got everybody else and it didn't really affect me that much was when they killed rob the red wedding right because i remember my husband like threw the book across the room he was so angry and so shocked. And I got to it and was just like, bah! <laughs> and then I wasn't like, that was that by it. There were a few other deaths in that series that affected me more.
1: Yeah, the red um, biting, um the extent of it was shocking. But it didn't surprise me. Rob messed right. that whole thing up. Yes. Thanks, Rob. But not, not
0: you, Gilliman. You're doing fine. Um, Akalor shocked me and I was really upset by it because I liked him and I thought he was such like he reminded me of like a counterpoint to Valerian like I'm going to be a guy who goes out and gets stuff done in the Primarch's name because I can see the bigger picture and kilt
1: I kind of liked him because he to me kind of embodied all the different types of custodes that we've seen you know he's a brilliant fighter like like Vachelin. he has great faith like Lucerne even though it's not the same but not the same but, but he's, he's much more great, tolerant but, of it yes and yet he still has the same skepticism that Kolkwan he was such a great you know foil for Kolkwan so they're kind of like kept each other in check and balance and very much agree and so yeah it i mean Fichelin i think he's he's obviously going to be stepping up now and kind of taking mm-hmm. that role. We could tell that with the conversation with Cole Kwan. but it's not the same because he doesn't have that same optimism that Akalor had. Maybe he'll get it though
0: like maybe, maybe this is that pivotal moment for him. I so Jesse Vane obviously I was like good. <laughs> Kargathar I was really pleased that he died. Well, we we I was, knew like, he was you... going to I mean he said it often. And the fact that it's the sisters who take him out.
1: Okay, that is the best killing demon host scene. God, I mean, yes, I actually hate that term chef's kiss, but yes, it was exactly that. It
0: was so poetic and so beautiful. And the fact that you have these custodies that are throwing themselves at him. He's just killed everyone's favorite custodies
1: um is really wounded and not doing seriously so seriously
0: well. wounded and it's the sisters who come in the sisters who have kind of been you know like the custodians especially vitality has kind of been like whatever mm-hmm. whatever um but yeah it's them and i do like the concept of like the one faith battling against the other faith and winning
1: just, and, just to the fact it was one shot, and said the emperor protects. <sighs> That's so beautiful. It was, oh my
0: so god! Beautiful. The way he described it with the shell exploding, and you're like,
1: and talk about how like shot a moment. Kargithar was like, did you just shoot me? <laughs>
0: <laughs> to be yeah. fair, right? Like I'm fighting the hand. Like I'm fighting this the. Uh, Literally the custodians of the emperor. Like I'm, fi- I almost said handmaids, but I was like, no, mm, it's the sisters. Um, but he's fighting the guys, right? These are like more powerful than Space Marines, and it's the unaugmented humans who are armored in faith. Just loved it. Okay, can we talk about this though? So first off, I have to reference my line down here because I am a horrible person. You are. A horrible I'm laying person, in bed. which I'm is a why I have person. my line. I'm reading the book and when Asawi falls off that that corpse mountain of just doom I could smell that scene just to be clear and it smelled like getting on the ice with a bunch of teenage girls who've just been playing hockey that's what it smells like okay that's what that smelled like um but I like when he fell down my first thought was take one down kill it around 9999 custodians left on the wall My husband tried to shove me out of bed and told me I had to go sleep outside. Joke's on him. I didn't. Um,
1: But anyways, I... It didn't help me, though, because I still was not over Akalor's death. And then you texted me that. I was like, no, it's too soon. I can't. (laughs) Can't deal with this. That's fair. Um,
0: I thought it was funny. And then like when Keshe. Because you're just like, oh, they killed Keshe. But it's revealed that they lived, in it, like kind of an offhanded way too. I was like, "Oh,
1: why?" Yeah, it, I was kind of like, it ruined a lot of the shock. Right? I think. Yeah. Because um, to me, it was kind of funny. They're like, "Yeah, she kind of crawled out with a one-eyed custodes." I snickered there.
0: I did snicker at that because that sounds like a that sounds like a joke in the making. I'm like, what do you call a one-eyed custodes? I have no idea what she would call them, but <laughs> give us your answers below. But it, did, it it sounded like the lead-in to, like, a joke or something like that. It just... Uh, there's no way that she comes back from that
1: the well, first same, of, Well, they're right? talking about how high up it was. Much yeah. With, I mean, regardless of the ghosts that were swarming around her, I mean... Again, I'm going to reference the killing ground. We've seen what ghosts can do to people. Yes. Um, I just, I didn't see how that was possible, especially since when they fell. What is she on? She's on his back. What is he going to land on? His back. Well, no, she's not on his back anymore. Because remember, they
0: tried to launch her up to Acklord. Oh, Acklord right. tries right. to grab her. He's falling. She falls into the corpses. Well, but to your point, mm-hmm. remember, she had to ride on his back because there were so many jutting out bones and just. Icky. So, like, there's literally not enough hand sanitizer or right. bleach. And to that point, like. I mean, the sisters, like, I can't imagine that the sisters don't give her the old yeller treatment because, like, you fell into. Well,
1: they also talk about how first that mountain there. They they, well, they were talking about how her mind was probably never going to be the same. It's like, then, then why, why let her live? Yeah.
0: Like that's going to be a one flew over the cuckoo's nest moment where somebody's just going to have to put the pillow there. And just make it.
1: God, you're so wrong.
0: Don't worry. They'll also pull the water fountain out of the ground and throw it into the window. Okay. We'll make the circle complete. Um, I just like that's a really nice and beautiful scene like that whole ending there is really beautiful and I really just made that sound trite anyways um but yeah like they're gonna have to I I want her to survive and I want that Morty and you know strength to come in but you fell into a pile of corpses and ghosts and you had to fight your way out of it with a one-eyed custodian
1: the real story there is how did he lose his eye
0: don't remember he got stabbed through it and he which is also a badass moment because somebody stabs him through the eye and he's just like "Mm." i don't remember that happens when they're climbing up the mountain something i can't remember what but something just like reach i think it was one of the corpses like reaches out the ghost yes yes puts that thing through his eye and he's just like right which because because i thought then he was killed that's metal which also like you can kind of understand why i thought akalor was going to be fine Dude just shrugged off like a, into the eye, like your eyeball. Like there's just a little bit of bone
1: at the back of your eye before your brain. Mm-hmm. I know, I no, know because when it happened, like I said, I thought he was he was killed. I was like, Hoo? same too. So the fact that he's like, Pff. <laughs> it's a flesh wound.
0: Tis <laughs> been a flesh wound. Probably now he's gonna have a badass augmentic. That's awesome. <laughs> but um, yeah. I, Akalor could have shut, but there's going to be hope for him, okay? I did. But they buried I, him. Okay, well, this whole book was about digging up somebody's grave, so checkmate. But did he have a ring? Because someone's no going to dig him up without that ring. Oh, that's a good point. I guess if so, if he'd had an accursed ring, <laughs> it wasn't the one ring.
1: I got nothing uh unless they take his sword maybe maybe they want his sword ooh, well, but could yeah, anybody I... besides a custodian or a primark wield the sword I, mean,
0: I think gulliman's probably the only person who could pick it up and even then it'd be a little smaller yeah well <laughs> he's got like, oh,
1: he's he's got daddy sword so <laughs> he's not he's not trading his end, end time now <laughs> yeah i've got a flaming sword of doom <laughs> so
0: let's talk i want to talk quickly about the intro and the outro because the intro we get to see Reboot Gulliman and it really sets it up for this were you surprised that he didn't feature
1: more prominently in this book No no because Really? Right. Well, because it was kind of a setup that the, that he was going to get to this planet but basically we needed right. them to get there and guess prepare it for him and make it and make it ready. So at that point I wasn't I was not that surprised. I was surprised he was not at the end because I know he was there yeah. because Fabian was there
0: and they kept I guess on one hand it was kind of a subversion of expectations because they kept mentioning right like we just got to hold out to the prime markets or we just got to hold out that's to the what I was, I was waiting for I was waiting for him prime to get markets. there I didn't realize that my cat was in the room and all of a sudden something started dark started moving over my shoulder so
1: oh <laughs> I had a moment um, no I kept waiting you know for that moment that he was going to arrive mm-hmm. he was going to teleport down and it's like we got a real fight now and he's just you know you know kind of like when uh in a Avengers Infinity War when Thor beams down and uh Bruce is like you're all screwed now and that's what I was waiting for was that moment right i kind of
0: liked it though cuz at first i was like oh well that's surprising but then i was like you know you have to remember that Robbie Bobby is surrounded by competent people. Mm-hmm. He's made sure, and of he it. has he has made sure of it. He has chosen his allies well, and so I was actually really glad to be like, "Oh, didn't really require it." Like Colquhoun jumps down to just kind of clean up, right? Like, is this all under control? Okay, good. Um, but they didn't really need Daddy to come down and save
1: everybody, right? Which was nice mm-hmm. again. And I wasn't even sure how it was going to end because when, when, <laughs> right. when Devorgan and Lucerne are talking, and Devorgan's like, I guess this is it. And Lucerne's like, Yep. <laughs> okay. My, my one thing about Lucerne is that so
0: my daughter is obsessed with Persona 5. So if anybody's played Persona 5, this will make sense to you. There's a character in there named Haru, but my daughter always calls her No Screen Time. So whatever you talk about she was like oh yeah she gets a like no screen time gets a new special and all this stuff and I'm like oh my god Lucerne toward the end there was kind of no screen time. It was like you seem kind of awesome and I really hope you come back in another story because you did not get your due in this one. No but he was funny at least.
1: He was funny I and mean, I did like he th- did- the Iron Warriors reaction to him. Well, and he saved everybody in his tank because when he realized what was going on, it was him who was like, we got to get out. We got to get out and, you know, burst out and basically come onto the scene. They're like, whoa, what is this? We weren't expecting really tall (laughs) space. I did like that where they're like, ew, what the heck is wrong with them? (laughs) I did really like that. Um, And I actually thought it was funny because when they did burst out and look, Locke is instantly like, yellow. (laughs) (laughs) it's <laughs> an instant
0: Doran's sons <laughs> nothing else matters them <laughs> look some rivalries are just too good to get rid of uh but Fabian especially like I felt like in the beginning I was like "Ooh, we're really gonna get to see oh no no until the very end when he shows up and I I really liked it up to a point but when he starts talking with Devorgan and Devorgan's like, "Let me tell you about my daughter Kish. I was like, "I don't really care about oh, your see, surrogate daughter." I,
1: I thought how that was 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 really well done. I thought that was that was super sweet, and um, just the fact that he had to tell his story and he didn't know what to tell, and so Fabian's just trying to kind of relax him, get all out. But then you, he ends up just unraveling the stoic Mordian and gets him to just talk to spill everything I did like that Fabian like he he
0: casually I mean he does casually commit what would be considered to be heresy like that would be like a commissar would shoot him for what he said so Fabian's just like go on Mm -hmm. like I did like that Fabian was cool about it I guess that you know maybe these are just not the times these are just not times where we have the luxury right now
1: well and you know when he gets there and he sees the chaos going on and looks to lucerne he's like what happened here he goes victory he's like i hate to see what happened but it looked like if we lost so i think he's kind of got that shock there and because this one is stable and he is like this is stable." Mm-hmm. So he, he sees, you know, Dvorgan, who, you know, is like, has half of his face messed up, scarring and everything else. Right. And, um, which I now I get to see exactly what that looks like, thanks to finally getting my book here, because it has some yeah. lovely illustrations. Uh, by the way, Veritas looks badass. Oh, yeah, she does. Um, so probably seeing all that, I would I would almost think that Fabian has a moment of empathy. just like this guy has seen so much more stuff than i will ever see in my entire life Mm -hmm. i'm just going to let him speak right it
0: did kind of remind me and i think we've all had those moments where you start talking to somebody and they just have something that they need to get off of their chest like they just have a thing they need to talk to someone about right and so it was kind of like this all right like exercise your demon let's just and his job and you know what it actually reminded me a little bit of so do you remember in um horus rising when euphrates first talking to garville logan and he gives her like a recount of stuff and she's like is there anything that like ever inspired you filled filled you with wonder mm-hmm. and he starts telling her about like the mardi gras that he went to where he's like giant paper hats and she's like tell me more. So this idea that he is a historian, like he is there to tell the mm-hmm. history, but there is this human element to it, too that is worthy of listening to and maybe he doesn't record it, but it's worthy of telling. Right. And I did like that. It did that did remind me of that. I just I guess I wasn't really that invested in his and Kesha's relationship, not romantic relationship obviously, but so I was like, oh, this is kind of weird. But I did like that parody and that feature that Fabian would be like, okay. Talk. Mm-hmm. I did like that. Um, but that, I guess, I don't know, it just it was like, action, action, action! Whew. Let's talk about this guy's relationship with this girl.
1: Looks just kind of like Whoa. Well, to me, it just kind of, it, it wrapped it up nicely, because Devorgan, you know, was leaving this planet not in a good way for mm-hmm. for m- many, many reasons. And you knew he was always tortured, but he was just, but he kept talking about how he had all these emotions that he's not supposed to have because he's Mordian. And you could tell right. he needed something to just let it out. And mm-hmm. so, uh, when I heard, when they said, you know, he's going to be talking to Fabian, I was like, this this is per- this is the perfect way for DeVorgan to put his demons to rest. Right. Okay, now that you say it
0: that way, I guess I am kind of softening to it. But my initial reaction when I finished it is I was like, hmm. But I am a little softening to it. The intro, I guess I thought was going to be more important. But then in, I guess in hindsight too, the idea that maybe the Eldari just show up every now and then are like, you need to be here. Mm-hmm. Goleman listens, he goes. Um, <laughs> I did like when everybody's getting like really sassy with the Eldar and he's like, I believe I said, shut up and listen. <laughs> like, he was not having any of this. Like, did I stutter here? Did I stutter here? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm the Primarch's son. You guys are just a bunch emperor's, of- Emperor's emperors, Primarch's son. The Emperor's son. I'm a Primarch, quote, comma, the Emperor's son. Everyone's just like, Barrr. But it also shows you like how ingrained that is into
1: them. Mm-hmm. I thought it was so great also with that is that when he does speak up and Fabian remarks that his presence and his voice makes it hard for impossible for anyone to even look at him in the face. It's right. almost like instant. Oh, daddy's daddy's yelling at us. This is shame. That reminded me of a scene I had to point out from that scene.
0: When the guy gets up to talk and Call's like, I could pull up a map. And then he keeps like talking over the guy and finally, (laughs) her food has to be like, knock it off. He's like, okay.
1: Fucking Call, man.
0: (laughs) I love Call. He is just like slowly but surely becoming kind of that eccentric grandpa, nutty professor character. I'm with Cole on that. I don't trust him. I am. I don't trust him either, but I like the hell out of him. (laughs) I think he is well-intentioned trouble. Still trouble. I don't even Even know if he's well-intentioned. I don't even know if he's well-intentioned. I think he is. But having said that, we all know what the road to hell is paved with. (laughs) I think his arrogance is going to get him into trouble. But that scene cracked me up and I really wanted to see more call. So on one hand, this book is definitely 8 out of 10. But I'm going to have to give it a 2 out of 10 for not enough
1: call more call please there's call has his own book all right so yes but i'm sure and if they could go ahead and resurrect akalor
0: that I'm might be sure get it those guy last haley is
1: writing up something right now about call who i'm sorry gee gee haley he's he's writing up something about call right now there's
0: there's not like a clever thing to call andy clark um overall i really liked it i liked the tone i have decided that my f- my favorite andy clark i really liked i loved what he did with <laughs> almost almost said the hydra legion uh i really <laughs> well loved it i mean <laughs> <laughs> i loved what he did with them i love how he gives personality to the space marines but i really love how he handles the sisters i feel comfortable saying that i think right now he's really the only person who understands them that they don't have to be these wrist-slashing zealots. And they don't really... I mean, they're zealous. hmm Right? Like, he makes them feel more human, I guess. I want to read more of his
1: So Makes them feel more... Um, like, I th- what I feel like they're supposed to be. And that's almost kind of the female counterpart to the space marines
0: kind of yes like this is what's available to you guys and i make a lot of jokes about them being nuns with guns but that really is what they are they are people who just have the holy fire of the emperor in mm-hmm. them and they are willing to put their life on the line as readily as any space marine is and i know that there's always that thing like we should have female space marines and i'm like why would you want female space marines when you have the sisters who are who incredible incredible and like this will be my one quick little rant here is like one of my favorite characters in the Marvel Universe initially they definitely let her go too much into As the- soon as she got involved with Civil War I was like I'm out was Kamala Khan she was the new Ms. Marvel because she was a devoutly religious character but it wasn't like you know she never had like her faith challenged or like anything like that she was just a character who like girded herself in faith and tradition and that was just part of who she was and it was one of her strengths which i really liked about her i thought it was very interesting so more of this please i just want more sisters books i want more sisters
1: books like this
0: you know? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah fair i don't um, want to read I another can't mark- i don't want to read another mark of faith i
0: can't handle i really cannot handle the repentia like if i have to see another repentia i'm going to Actually, so along those lines, giving you guys a little insight into our thought process. We were originally going to read Astarath, Angel of Mercy by Guy Haley. Hello, Kat. Um But it's not widely available right now, which seems kind of lame to read something. So we were going to do Divination, but I don't think either one of us wanted to read anything about the Repenture right now.
1: I just don't really care about background stories before all this happened. That's just me.
0: (laughs) I, and I know that I've said this a lot. I really struggle with prequels. Mm -hmm. And I know that I've mentioned a lot of times I have Horace heresy fatigue. Um, Yeah. I'm not sure that I'm super, super into it. Um, Kitty ears. So instead, we decided to take like a wild diversion and go with the Deacon of Wounds because we both just picked this up today too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a shiny hardcover, and you know what? I need more David Ann and Dale in my life, and this podcast needs more David Ann and Dale. Mm-hmm. He is woefully underrepresented for as much as we enjoy reading him as an author.
1: It's true. So it's yeah, true. so yeah, I'm looking. I I'm looking forward to this, especially since. It's a shorter book. I need a break I've y'all.
0: i read some beefy books. <laughs> I mean... Recently. Uh, that was a part of this thought process. I
1: mean, this and Horciak yeah, Avenging Sun was huge. Thank God that we're not reading Siege of Terra as part of, as part of this. I picked up Mortis. My husband's going through it right now.
0: I read parts of it because I had a Pachurabo moment. Um, but Mortis is like mm-hmm. I couldn't believe it it could have been it, this long
1: I couldn't believe it, I picked up my copy
0: yeah um, I have very strong feelings about the Siege of Terra so <laughs> it's a lot of filler and if I never see Euphrates killer again it'll be too soon damn
1: anyways want to take us out Carrie? yes I, I, I think I will so um, and I just realized I never wrote up my closing <laughs> That's the week that this has been, people. Yeah. So it has been a week. Yes. So so thank you all so much for listening to our podcast, uh, Gate of Bones by Andy Clark. So stay tuned for next next time when we read Deacon of Wounds by the wonderful David David Annandale. Uh we are we are not affiliated with the Black Library or or Games Workshop or any of its other affiliates. You can find us on our website at WH four zero k bookclub.com you can also find us on, on our vidcast on YouTube the uh, podcast on literally anywhere you can find podcasts and if uh, and if you like what you listen to or like what you watch please like you know g- please subscribe to us on YouTube or give us a review and all those wonderful things that we all just love on the website again on YouTube or on wherever you, wherever you get podcasts and please remember that we also uh, sorry i'm trying to remember everything we also uh <laughs> we also uh, write write about other books that we are reading and our other thoughts about warhammer 40k on the website so please so please stay a while and read from a crack and with that i am still Alfarious. and you can now get you some chartreuse
0: but don't ask how it ties into this